Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And this week's show is all about the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar again, as African teams have put the miserable World Cup of 2018 behind them, and hopes are high of a team reaching the quarter-finals at least, with Morocco topping their group and Senegal lining up a blockbuster against England on Sunday in the round of 16. Lots on that. Also we hear from France forward Olivier Giroud on his football and his faith. Best um, thing ever for a football player, winning the World Cup. There is nothing above it. Uh, this day was a very, very special day. Fascinating interview with Olivier Giroud coming up later. Uh, so it's been a thrilling and unpredictable World Cup so far, with Germany and Belgium going out at the group stage, Messi and Ronaldo both scoring and passionate crowds in Qatar. And Africa's already made an improvement from the 2018 World Cup, where all five teams went out at the group stage. That was the continent's worst showing ever. Well, at the time of recording, we have two African teams through to the knockout stage, Senegal and Morocco. And Ida, a superb showing from Morocco, finishing top of Group G with a 2-1 win over Canada. Top of the group, Steve, above the 2018 runners-up and above the top-ranked team entering the tournament. And with that, Morocco qualified for their first round of 16 in 36 years. And look, I'm sure that many who looked at the group prior to kickoff in Qatar assumed that it would be an easy buy for Croatia and Belgium to the next round. But it's been amazing to see Hakim Ziyech in form. His performance has definitely vindicated coach Walid Regragi's confidence in bringing him back to the squad. And Regragi's appointment uh, just months before the World Cup also vindicated. I mean, wouldn't you say, Steve? The Atlas Lions have now won in this one World Cup as many games as they have in all their World Cups combined prior to this. Yes, so Morocco doing the continent proud in Qatar. And Senegal got to the knockout stage for the second time with a deserved 2-1 win over Ecuador. Uh, This was a performance to be proud of, Ida. Absolutely, Steve. It was a performance that showed that the Taranga Lions deserve to be in the next round. I mean, they were calm and they showed resilience as well, you know, to take the lead even after Ecuador had equalized. And what a way for Kalidou Koulibaly to score his first goal for country. Yes, at a World Cup, but also for it to be the winner that took them the furthest they've been since 2002. Koulibaly there, in the right place, at the right time, and most importantly, he didn't waste it. Then immediately pointed to his captain's armband, Steve, which bore the number 19, an homage to the late Papa Bupa Diop. And Diop died two years ago on the day. Remember, he scored that winner against France in 2002. Steve, this for me, there were so many stories inside the bigger story of Senegal winning and qualifying for the next round. And uh, the Taranga Lions also revealed that Sadio Mane had sent them a message prior to the game. And 
they no doubt drew some inspiration from that as well. All in all, Steve, what an achievement by Coach Alu Cisse. I'm sure the listeners have seen the statistics all over, but it doesn't hurt to hear it one more time. (laughs) Cisse, captain in 2002 when Senegal got to the World Cup quarters, he's coach now as they are in the round of 16 again for the first time, Steve, in two decades. And he won an Afghan in the middle there, you know. And uh to think the last time Senegal were at this stage, I mean, they were coached by the late Bruno Metsu. Remember the French coach? I mean, this only continues to build the case for local coaches. So it's the Teranga Lions versus the Three Lions on Sunday, Steve, and the world will definitely hold its breath. Well, more on the Senegal-England tie later on in the show. And Tunisia continued with their record of disappointing at the World Cup, although they went out with a famous 1-0 win over France. Well, Steve, theirs is a curious case. I mean, they did take four points off some really big teams. We're talking defending champions France. We're talking Denmark, who are actually ranked 10th coming into the World Cup. But Tunisia still crashed out after finishing third in the group. And this, for me at least, is where consistency comes in and where it really pays off. Because that loss to Australia, Steve, a team that, frankly, isn't comparable to the big teams that Tunisia shaved points from, well, that was ultimately the North Africans doing. And you could see at the end of the game there that it was mixed emotions. Yes, on one hand, pride in beating the reigning champions, albeit a second string side, because uh, remember Didier Deschamps, well, he made nine changes to his team and he rested Kylian Mbappe, a clear sign that they did underestimate the North Africans. So yes, pride on one hand, but also huge disappointment in not qualifying. Yes, it certainly would feel that Tunisia could have done better at this World Cup. And Cameroon did really well to draw 3-3 with Serbia on Monday in an exciting game. But we saw in-house problems again at the World Cup for the Indomitable Lions as goalkeeper Andre Anana was dropped from the team by coach Rigobert Song and went home the next day. And you have to say, Cameroon do make things difficult for themselves, Ida. Well, I do have to agree, Steve. I mean, it's rarely an easy road with the indomitable lions. <laughs> I mean, take this Onana Rigobatsong situation, for example. Now, it's said that they fell out because the coach wanted Onana to bring in a more traditional technique, you know, more long goal kicks and whatnot. And if anyone has watched Onana, traditional is the opposite of who he is on the pitch, you know. So in theory, let's call it a creative difference. Well, Onana released a statement, as did uh, Fekafoot, which showed that he did indeed fall out with uh, the coach, Rigobat Song. And without him, the Indomitable Lions were 3-1 down to Serbia. That was before they staged that comeback that gave them a lifeline. Now, the 26-year-old goalkeeper, Steve, he does join an interesting list of players to have been sent home from the World Cup over the years. Well, it's not a list that anyone wants to be on, (laughs) but, you know, nonetheless, it's one that features some very prolific players. You know, we're talking Maradona, Roy Keane, Nicolas Anelka and others. 
Steve, Onana is one of the best there is, and his experience and talent is something I think Cameroon will really miss. Yes, well thanks Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and on social media throughout the World Cup, we're inviting you to send your comments at any time on the games and on the talking points on our Facebook page and on WhatsApp. Now recording this on Thursday night with action happening all the time, and on Twitter at CrispusNW says I started out with Senegal as my favourite, uh, then I changed to Morocco, but now I'm going back to Senegal again. I feel their route is a lot more within their capacity than Morocco's. I fancy them to go the furthest, it says at Crispus NW. A Jallo M. Wuri in the Gambia says Morocco look promising, likewise Ghana and Senegal, but I think Morocco are going to do better than all of them. And a Kadri So also in the Gambia says Morocco will go far with Hakim Ziak, their outstanding player. Well, we've had many comments from people saying how impressed they are with Morocco. Uh, elsewhere, Akule Derek says Ghana with Thomas Partey have been the standout so far. And Amponsa Sampson, also supporting Ghana, says Mohamed Kudus has been their star player thus far in the tournament. Uh, Abdullah Alimami Turai in Sierra Leone says, I'm impressed with Senegal and Ghana. And Yango Shalot in Cameroon says, I think the Taranga Lions of Senegal will go the furthest. Godson Stephen in Ghana says, Morocco will do the best, followed by Ghana. And Belong Baji in the Gambia says, I'm impressed with how Costa Rica, Cameroon and Ghana all recovered from poor starts and did better in their second games. And Belong saying Cameroon played with commitment, desire and passion for that draw with Serbia, while Ghana held on well to beat South Korea, restoring their confidence. Uh, then on a negative note, uh, Siru Mocha says, All the African teams come with so much expectation, but underperform at every World Cup. With all their players on big money contracts overseas, you'd think they would put up a better showing, says Siru. Uh, well, thanks for that, Siru. But now with at least uh, two African teams through to the round of 16, maybe we'll see something really good this time. Well, thanks for those comments. So throughout the World Cup, you can get in touch uh, on our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart looks ahead to the Senegal-England game. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv, and on our website in the blog section, you can read Russ Bravo's blogs on the World Cup. The latest one talks about why you need to expect the unexpected and Russ highlights the greatest comeback of all time. That's on our website planetsport.tv in the blog section. Now, one of the many star players at this World Cup is France forward Olivier Giroud, who equaled France's goal-scoring record with his strike in the opening game against Australia. 36-year-old Giroud moved level with Thierry Henry as France's all-time top scorer with 51 goals. 
while Giroud played for Arsenal from 2012 to 2018, and then moved to Chelsea and then to AC Milan. He was a World Cup winner with France in 2018 and a Champions League winner with Chelsea in 2021, and won three FA Cups with Arsenal and one with Chelsea. Well, Giroud is a follower of Jesus, and Nicky Gumbel spoke to him about his football and his faith. First, about his early years.、Uh, I started kicking the ball from a very small age. Maybe I remember a photo of myself. My mother keeps showing me with a bottle in the right hand and,、uh, <laughs> and kicking the ball、uh, with the left foot. So I was uh, uh, just basically starting walking when I I started to play football. And very quickly, you were in all the teams growing up. Yeah, I I grew up in a in a nice uh, uh, family uh, in my small town, and I just enjoyed play, playing football with my friends until my eleven, twelve years old、uh, in my town. And after the、um, the serious uh, part uh, started in、uh, yeah when I was twelve, thirteen years old, and I I started to to play for a bigger team.、Mm-hmm. It's called Grenoble, where I come from, near the Alps in France. And yeah, I, step by step, I, I, I just、um, improve and, and keep believe I, I could have the opportunity to to become a one day professional football player. Yeah, and then eventually Arsenal, Chelsea, and of course for France. Yeah, Arsenal. When I, it was a kind of a dream for me、mm-hmm. playing Premier League. And when、uh, Arsene Wenger called me and just said,、uh, "I want to sign you," it was、uh, I couldn't believe it. So、mm-hmm. uh, I was praying for this happen, you know. And、uh, it was、uh, one of、uh, a great day of my、mm-hmm. of my life. Then winning the World Cup with France. Yeah, in July, the 15th of July, 2018. The date I will never forget.、Mm-hmm. A great achievement, if I can say, and the best、um, thing ever for a football player, winning the World Cup. There is nothing above it.、Uh, this day was a very, very special day. Now, all this football, but also even more important, your marriage and your family life, and part of that was your parents' faith, particularly your mother.、Mm-hmm. Just say a little bit about that. Yes, my my mother. She met、uh, a couple.、Uh, they they were Christian, and she's seen、uh, something written on their on their door. I think she was starting to to wondering what does that mean, you know?、Uh, and uh, uh, I think it was、uh, yeah. There is only one way, and、uh, through Jesus. And she just met these people, and after、um, she. She converted herself, herself to the Christian Christianism, and after she just、um, decided to introduce、uh, her children to、uh, to the religion, and、uh, I started going to church.、Uh, you know, I can have a big impact if I can say on、uh, on people because football is very very popular. You know, maybe the most popular sport in the world. So. If I can be a kind of a role model, you know, an example for the youngsters, just to, I just want to deliver this message、uh, that、uh, there is always、uh, hope and love and uh, in uh, Lord uh, Kingdom. 
And um, you produced this magazine, mm-hmm. Jesus. Here you are on the front cover. And that was on every French newsstand. And, but you talk very personally about your faith in Jesus. Uh, I used to say, you know, when media ask me, where, where, where does your mental strength come from? Mm. Uh, and I used to answer, because um, Jesus, uh, the Lord, is uh, on, next to me, like he's always looking after me. Um, and I, I really believe I have, um, we say, bonne étoile, bonne étoile in French, like a good star above <laughs> your head. I just want to, to thank uh, him for always um, supporting me. And uh, obviously when I run on the pitch, when I score goals, it's myself. But um, every every time uh, I had to make a very, very important decision, mm-hmm. uh, you always pray a lot. Um, I pray every day, but sometimes, you know, there are some some very important choice you need to, to make um, uh, the right decision. And so far, uh, I've done all, all through my career the right decision, so um, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, I'm sure uh, he's always listening to what we, uh, what we want to ask him. And uh, uh, I will never forget that um, he gave me the opportunity to um, to live my dream. Now, your your life to many people looking on, people look at your life and they think success. No, my life fame, is not perfect. <laughs> um, you know, rewards of every yeah. kind, happy family. Mm-hmm. Um, like life must be perfect. But but talk about because. I think everyone will be aware that to be a footballer, you must be surrounded by so much temptation. Uh, regarding temptations, obviously, um, when you are successful and uh, you earn a lot of money, mm. you're always exposed. But I think uh, nobody is perfect, and obviously we all do mistakes. Yeah. The most important thing is to take conscience you know, about... Uh, Everything can hurt your family and obviously um, people around you, your friends and family is the most important yeah. thing, you know. And uh, if I can give advices, is always, uh, always keep believe, keep believing in your faith and what you can uh, achieve in life. Keep confidence, no matter what happens. Always be positive and. Yeah, then even if you are not in a good mood or you're not having a good day, you need to um, to see the the bigger picture of uh, you know what the Lord wants to to, to show you to um, help you to to achieve you know in your life. So keep fighting, keep believing, uh, keep the confidence high. We're talking about his football and his faith. That's France forward Olivier Giroud. He was speaking there to Nicky Gumbel about his football and his faith. Right now, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Uh, England through to the round of 16 and playing Senegal on Sunday. This is going to be very interesting, Stuart, uh, with a number of uh, Senegalese players uh, playing in England. Yes, Steve, it would be easy to think of England-Senegal as two countries from different continents. 
who know very little about each other. But as you say, the reality may be quite different with 10 of the Senegalese players currently playing club football in England. Now, if Mason Mount plays for England, as he did in the opening two games, he could find himself playing against two of his Chelsea teammates, Edouard Mende and uh, Kaladu Koulibaly. Similarly, Papa Matar would be opposing Harry Kane and Eric Dyer, with whom he trains at Tottenham every day. Nampalis Mende and James Madison are Leicester City teammates. And while Senegal's main threat to goal, we might think, is Mela Sar, plus players like Edrissa Gay and Cheku Kuati are all very familiar opponents for England's Premier League players. And even the Senegal head coach, Aliou Sisse, has played in England for four years. So how will this affect it? I think it could work in Senegal's favour. Because it's a great achievement for Senegal to reach the last 16 of the world and they might be overawed playing a big country like England. But when they break it down and realise they're actually playing against teammates and players they play against and with and train with, I think it could give them confidence. What can they expect from England, though, is a big question. England scored six against Iran, three against Wales with Rashford, Saka, Ryan Sterling and Phil Foden rampant. But then against USA, England seemed content just not to lose the game and played in a very negative fashion. OK, the strategy worked, England won the group. But it is an ongoing criticism of Gareth Southgate, the England manager, that he's too cautious in his tactics. The fans would love to see him sending out Rashford, Foden Saka to run at defenders. But all too often... Southgate's team seem content to exchange passes among the back four in their own half with no ambition. And uh, Stuart, as we get to the end of the group stage, uh, this could be shaping up to be a really good World Cup. I think the World Cup's got off to a great start. You know, we've seen some of the big countries, Portugal, France, Brazil, England, qualify comfortably. Argentina made it through despite that shock defeat to Saudi Arabia. And what a group that was, with Poland getting second place on goal difference ahead of Mexico only after Saudi Arabia scored against Mexico in the fifth minute of stoppage time. We can think of three African countries scoring three goals in a game, and we had the shock results like Japan beating Germany, Australia beating Tunisia and Denmark to reach the last 16 is probably the biggest shock and apparently despite the game taking place at 3am local time crowds were watching it in Melbourne in outdoor venues and I have to mention Wales beaten by Iran with goals in the 8th and the 11th minutes of stoppage time that really is one of the distinctives of the current World Cup Actually, Steve, I've got some information about the amount of additional time being added on. In the 1966 World Cup, the ball was in play for 61 minutes per game. But by 2014, it had dropped to 54. And I understand that Pierre-Luigi Colina, the top referee, who was advised by Arsene Wenger, and both of them were unhappy that fans paying high prices for tickets would actually spend half an hour of the 90 minutes watching the ball not in play. Of course, comparing 1966 with now is not a fair comparison because there were no substitutions in 1966. And now you can have up to five for each team in the modern game. And there are 
VAR checks, drinks breaks, and so on as well. Something else that I discovered, see, which I never really knew, is that the way added on time is worked out is that at the end of each half, the fourth official and the VAR official each inform the referee how much time they think should be added on. But it is the referee who makes the final decision. But just to show you, you can never satisfy everyone. At the end of the South Korea-Ghana game, the Korean coach Paulo Benta was seen remonstrating with the referee Anthony Taylor, arguing that he shouldn't have stopped the game when Korea had a corner. Poor old Taylor had already added on 10 extra minutes. Yeah, this is a big talking point of this uh, World Cup, isn't it? And uh, what else have you got for us uh, from the World Cup, Stuart? Well, disappointingly, but not surprisingly, Qatar lost all three games in the World Cup, scoring only one goal, and not since China in 2002 has a country lost all three of their games by at least two goals. We've talked about how small the country of Qatar is, and another way of putting that in context is that there were 3.2 million tickets on sale for the World Cup, And if every one of the 2.9 million population of Qatar had attended one game, there still would have been tickets left over. But, you know, teams in the World Cup come from large and small countries. And when the United States beat Iran, it was a country of 330 million playing a country of 86 million people. But at the other end of the scale, Portugal with 10 million beat Uruguay, who only have 3.5 million. It seems, Steve, that experience is very important in international teams, with the average age of captains at the World Cup 33 compared to 29 in the Premier League. Now, one change which has happened in recent games in football is the way goalkeepers have become footballers and teams tend to play out from the back. If you go back to 2002, when goalkeepers got the ball, 77% of the time they just kicked it long. But now, goalkeepers are much more likely to make the short pass, and in Qatar, goalkeepers hit the long ball only 45% of the time. Did you know that the most consistent team at the World Cup in recent years is Netherlands, which have reached the knockout stage in the last 11 World Cups? We were delighted to see Cameroon, Ghana and Senegal all score three goals in the game in the World Cup, But you have to go back to 2010 for the last occasion an African team scored three goals in a match. That was Ivory Coast beating North Korea. And talking of goals, it's been quite a strange World Cup with feast and famine, you might say. We've had five goalless draws compared to none in 2018, but equally seven games with five or more goals. There's been a bit of a father-son theme to this World Cup with the TV cameras liking to pick out Peter Schmeichel watching his son Casper play for Denmark. George Weah was watching his son Tim play for USA alongside Gio Reyna, whose father Claudio used to play for Manchester City. And then there's Marcus Turam in the French squad for whom his father Lillian was a World Cup winner. Can't keep Cristiano Ronaldo out of the news. He scored for Portugal in this World Cup, which was the fifth consecutive World Cup 
in which he scored. He actually thought he'd scored another goal when he seemed to head in across from Bruno Fernandes. But VAR, due to the sensor inside the match ball, was able to prove he had made no contact with the ball and the goal was awarded to Bruno Fernandes, who'd hit the cross. Now, Ghana has had two sets of international brothers. Andre and Jordan Ayew have both played for Ghana in this year's World Cup. And if you go back to 2014, Ghana against Germany, you might remember the Boateng brothers, with Kevin Prince playing for Ghana and Jerome also playing, but for Germany. When Eric Chopomuting scored for Cameroon against Serbia, and in the same game, Serge Milinkovic-Savic scored for Serbia, it was the first time ever in a World Cup in which two players with a hyphenated surname had scored in the same game. I bet you didn't know that, Steve. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't. Uh, thanks a lot for that, Stuart. So round of 16 ties include on Saturday, the Netherlands against the USA. Argentina playing Australia also on Saturday. Sunday, it's Senegal, England and France against Poland. On Monday, Japan playing Croatia. And Tuesday, Morocco will face Spain after that incredible finish to Group E. It's going to be a tricky one for Morocco in the round of 16. Well, that's it for the show for this week. A lot's on our social media. On Facebook, we're Planet Sport Football Africa. And on Twitter, at Planet Sport FA. Do watch out for all of our updates and news there. Uh, from me, Steve Vickers in Harare. From Ida Waringa in Nairobi. And from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.